This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Scotty. Curdy B. Are you ready for this one? I've never been more ready for anything in my whole entire life. This company... Turns your loved one's remains into ceramic coffee mugs. <laughs> oh, boy. The best part of waking up is a brand new bananas in your cup. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. Uh, sitting across from me right there is number one screenwriter in America. That's what people have been calling him. Uh, Scotty right. Landis. They've been doing it incorrectly. And over there is the one and already the big banana himself, Kurt Brownoller, Curdy B. How are you feeling on this Taco Tuesday? I'm feeling great. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Me just, too. Uh, Loving it up. Um, I got a sweet uh, stand-up gig to announce, Scotty. Good. That's why we started this podcast in the first place. Are you joking me? Here it is. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn, New York, August 31st. That's a Thursday. Thursday before Memorial Day weekend, folks. At Littlefield, back to where it all started. True. First when we well not first, but where we used to have hot tub mm-hmm. back in the day, Littlefield in Brooklyn in Gowanus, Brooklyn. It's a beautiful venue, so come on out. It'll be a real treat. I'll have some special guests that have not hard confirmed with me yet, and oh, uh, it's going to be fantastic. Well, so. they have all summer. We're we're just this we're getting up. To, we're right up. We're, we just finished this Memorial Day. We're coming up on Labor Day. It's going to be fine. I'm hoping to book like around it, maybe a Boston, something with in Boston, or maybe something in Asbury Park, or maybe something in Richmond, Virginia. That's when I'm. Brooklyn if you South. guys know of a place in Richmond, Virginia that's awesome, for sure, around 100, 150 seats, 200. Let us know. DM us. Mm-hmm. Let us know. We did a couple of our live show, you and me, Night of the Living's there way back in the day. It was a chat show where Kurt was the host of a absurdist live late night chat show. Mm-hmm. And we, the one we did at Littlefield, I think we did two, the guests were Judah Friedlander and a, the musician Amanda Palmer. That's and right. And at the time, she was married to Neil Gaiman, the That's great right. author and TV I writer. they're like... I don't know. No, I guess they're like separated or whatever, but none of our business. None of All our I business. Know is back then. Back they then, were, great. I uh, shouldn't have brought it will. up. <laughs> it's, it's real. If it's you're real. in the public space, it's real. <laughs> but we did I you were like Neil Gaiman is in the front row. And I was like, no shit. And I look out and there he is sitting front row. 
but the first bit we did that night after you did your monologue was your personal assistant Noodles, who was yes. played by Chris Manley. We had this bit where Chris, <laughs> uh, excuse me, Kurt, as part of his late night show, we had a personal assistant named Noodles, who was this man who wore uh, roller skates or roller blades, depending on which show, completely naked, <laughs> eating cup of noodles. Totally, he has totally a little bit of a lispy tongue thrust too, and this beautiful mustache and a really, a uh, really. <laughs> masculine body and <laughs> relatively modest ding dong and he would roller skate out and be like yeah Kurt what do you need and you would like be like noodles go get this thing and I looked out and saw and Neil he's always Gaiman. eating noodles he's roller skating eating yeah. noodles while Cup noodles, of noodles. Yeah. yeah and um, I just looked out during that being like oh god I wonder how Neil Gaiman and he loved it Neil Gaiman was laughing so hard to noodles <laughs> just roller skating in place while you gave him instructions and barked orders and he was eating cup of noodles <laughs> I wish you could put that on a real show I wish that was on television but no. I know we right? get the weekend yeah oh it would have been so wonderful so many that shows was, we've tried mm-hmm. so much to get to to make a show together that makes it to TV. so many pilots it is so difficult. Yes, but it mm. was fun every time. And also, this we ended up here. You know, a beautiful Even better. thing. A beautiful Even thing. Better. Scotty, what's get going into on with you, story, buddy? Um, I'm good. I've decided to do a little road trip. I think I'm going to leave tomorrow or the next day. Uh, a friend of mine who lives in Naples, Florida, my friend nice. Alan, was like, "Hey, do you want to come down? My uh-huh. parents are gone. They have like a." beachy type of house and oh know, he doesn't right. live with his parents he his parents live down there right 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 <laughs> and so i'm like i'm on the way so tomorrow i know this the... teenager whose parents aren't home so i'm <laughs> headed down to naples florida <laughs> yeah. yeah pick up some goldschlager pick up some aftershock come on down it'll be so cool and so i'm gonna do a little road trip i think i'm gonna do tucson uh-huh. i've never really spent that much time Tucson's in tucson awesome Tucson is so cool. Have you never been to Tucson, dude? I, I have, but I don't think I like did a hang. I think I just passed on through. Tucson is like, I did a show in Tucson, and I was like shocked at how cool it was. It was like, yeah. oh, whoa, this is a cool little town. That's fun. Yeah, I'm just going to stop at some of those type of places. Maybe Destin, maybe, I don't know, San Antonio and get some puffy tacos. I don't know, but I'm going to use my... Dude, privilege and take off and hit the open road for a little bit. But I'm taking my recording equipment with me so we can do bananas the whole damn way. I love it. How long you be gone? I don't know. That's nice. the thing. I'm not quite sure because it's a writer strike, so you can't. It's a write. writer strike. I've been out there today. I was out at Disney picketing around. Ran into so many good friends. Ran into a lot of people that we can have on the podcast coming up too, which is funny. I was like, oh, there's Jen D'Angelo. There's Mary Holland. Like yeah. really fun people that I was like. I forgot. I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, that's great. Here, we got this uh, DM that I just wanted to read. It doesn't really fit into, like, it's not a confession. It's not advice or anything like that. But I felt like it's worth sharing because it's very funny to me. Okay. So this was not spoken, but typed into us from Kate Jane. I have a fun story to share. Yesterday, I was having lunch with a coworker at a local Mexican restaurant. I look over at the table near us, and there's a lady cutting her bean burrito into small bites and putting it in her bag under the table. What? Yeah. <laughs> Confused. I keep staring because why not? Yeah. Something moves in the bag. She has her cat in the bag under the table, and she's feeding it a bean burrito. <laughs> she specifically not a finicky took her cat, cat not a finicky out on a cat. date. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, <laughs> just to get a bean burrito. But the best part was when was her drinking a margarita while wearing a muumuu with no bra, but she was using the table to hold her boobs up. Yes. This was Monday at 11.30 a.m. when margaritas taste the best, I'm sure, which is true. That's true. A Monday at 11.30 a.m., a margarita tastes yeah. so, so good. good. Just get ready for bed at 3 p.m. That's right. Wash the <laughs> coffee taste out of your mouth with a delicious lime margarita. And then go to bed for the day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Daytime naps. Ooh. Just Daytime drunk naps when you wake hands. up. Oh. There's no what worse feeling. That? that always happens in Vegas because you like go, you're there for some party thing. And then you drink at the pool in the morning or the or like the midday. And then everybody's like, we got big steak dinner, bro. You got to get... And then everybody goes back and takes a nap and then comes back just feeling the grossest you've ever yep. felt in your life. You got to shower so many times in Vegas, which is ironic because it feels like there's no water there. But it's like the only way to <laughs> yeah. keep going. You're like, I got to take another shower and get dressed again. <laughs> also, it's funny that uh, feeding a cat a bean burrito is something I never considered. And then I realized when I was reading that DM that I... People just tell me constantly things dogs and cats can eat and can't eat. And I never have any idea. I guess I just need to own more pets in my life. But they'll be like, you know, we all know chocolate's bad for dogs or whatever. But it's just like if you had said, is it okay for a cat to eat a bean burrito? I would have said yes. And yeah. then it would be it'd be very easy for somebody to be like, beans kill cats. And be like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely they do. I don't know. There's so much of that. Like literally, I like if you look it up, most things are like, don't give this to the dog. <laughs> yeah. Like tomatoes are like nightshades. Well, they technically they're uh, after a while they'll be poisonous, but uh, for a little bit it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I had an ex-girlfriend that threw like an onion ring to her dog and then the dog just threw it up and she looked up she's like onions are bad for dogs. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't do it. You uh, it was a crazy situation. I guess I just don't know. Blueberries, can cats eat blueberries? Yeah, blueberries. Nobody knows. They can. I know about well, dogs can eat blueberries. See? I'm assuming cats can. Yeah. They got the same stomach. That's what science says. I've and looked fish it up. Eat pizza. Thank you. Um, okay, what was the story? Something about ceramics? Oh yeah. Thing is, ceramics. you'll never know if a cat, if the fish doesn't like the pizza, because you'll never know if it threw up. <laughs> it's impossible to find that out. That's something science also doesn't know. Yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, the day you come to me, science, when you've got proof that fish throw up. Yeah, we're not running. We're just here to laugh. We're ready. This company turns your loved ones' remains into ceramic coffee mugs. Fun. This is sent in by BB on Instagram. Thank you, BB. Thank Which you, is BB. also my was my mom's name on the pediatric floor because her name was Barbara Brownoller. BB. BB. Best uh, biz. This is in First We Feast, but I looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up, and it's in a lot of other places that are yeah, not a real. place that I've never heard of. Um, okay, is written by Jackson Connor. Ooh. This is actually from 2016. So if you so look for this company, good. this company doesn't exist. But I looked it up, and I will share you what I share with you. Fine with me. Who cares? We all grieve in different ways. For some, for some sure. families, a classic burial is the first step towards healing. For others, it's cremation, placing a loved one's ashes in an urn on a mantle or scattering them over the ocean. Hmm. And then, at least according to a company called Chronicle Cremation Design, some people prefer to turn their deceased relatives and friends into bowls, bottles, and coffee mugs. Bottles. Okay. Bottles is strange. That's the that's a surprising. Coffee yep. mugs and bottles are are surprising yeah. to me. Bowls, mm -hmm. I get the bowl. I get yeah, the bowl. Yeah, bowl's fine. 
Titled Nourish, Chronicle Cremation's Dinnerware Series, it's a whole series, is the brainchild of Justin Crow, who had the idea to launch the business after losing his grandfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, home is a place that is routine, average, and familiar, and experienced such a huge emotional event in that environment helped normalize his passing for me, Crow told the Mashable via email. Based on this experience, I began to search for a way to give others the ability to remember past loved ones in daily life. Oh, I see. Yeah, so basically, here's how it works. Um, You send your ashes through the mail, the ashes of your loved one through the mail. They then take them and then heat them up to a very fine powder and then essentially take that powder and put it into... Um, mold or whatever. The, yeah, whatever the clay is that you make mm. oh, ceramics yeah, sure. out of. So they mix it into the clay. Okay. And then they fire it and glaze it. And then it's like, it's literally ceramic, just it's ceramic. And then inside is the ashes in addition to other things. But yeah, there's bowls, there's cups, there's bottles. Um, and it's, uh, I at first I was like, oh, this is crazy. I was like, I don't want to be drinking a cup of coffee out of my mom. Mm-hmm. Um but, but then, but then I started <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, that's how this works. This is how this works because I'm just like sat with it for a long time. Then I just started googling it and like looking into it. And there's all this, so this is now. This was 2016. This guy's company's gone <laughs> under, but there's like a ton of other companies that do this now. So yeah. obviously it took on. Obviously he he was onto something. Um, there's one company that just makes stones. So like just you send turns you into a rock. Yeah, but you send like all the ashes and then you get back like 60 white stones. And then you can either like give them to people or you can like put them in a garden or like put them somewhere. I like that. That's cool. But also the bowl idea is very cool to me as well to just have because, you know, you have like a little place where you like right now I have I have like my mom's ashes. Her My mom's ashes like half are in a bag or like half are in a bag in a drawer and then the other half are in um, like just a jewelry box that she had because it was hers, you know, so I have it in there. And and it just happens to be directly at Gus's eye level. Uh Uh-huh. And he's obsessed with it a little bit because he can walk into the garage, which is my office. Right. And then walk over, like he's got his bike in there and then also I have my office and I have her thing set up right next to my office um and so there's a bunch of pictures of her but then he can just open up a thing and then just shove his hand in dirt dirt. oh well i mean that's fine really if anybody has the right he's got the bloodline for it (laughs) but you know it's like that whole thing is like oh buddy hey okay um so this is like it's how do i do so this is your grandmother but also, like, these pictures are your grandmother, but then also this dirt is your grandmother. Yes. And he's just like, look, he's a three-year-old. You know, he's just looking at me like, what are you talking about? And he's yes. trying to process it, and we talk about it a lot. And I'm just like, your mo- grandmother's no longer here. She passed away. Sure. And when someone passes away, sometimes you make them into dirt. <laughs> you <cook laughs> or a mug. You put or a bottle. A, and you put them in a little box where a little kid can <laughs> shove his hand into them. <laughs> yeah. And so then, Flash forward like a month or two, and um, Bubby, which is my wife's uh, mom, mm-hmm. Gretchen, came over and she was wearing sunglasses okay. that used to be my mom. So she came in and she was she knows Gus is like 
Gus has a thing where he's like, the way he's understanding grandma as opposed to Bubby is he talks about it, but he always says, it's my grandma. <laughs> that Olive will be like, it's my grandma too. And he'll be like, no! <laughs> <laughs> he'll just scream, it's my... So he believes it's only his grandma. <laughs> and um, and so he he was excited about her having the sunglasses on. So she, she takes sunglasses off and hands them to Gus, and Gus just disappears. And then we're having dinner. Okay. Okay. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, where's Gus? And then I go out, looking for him, looking for him, go out into, my, into the garage. And he's just taking the sunglasses and just shoving them into, into the, the dirt. ashes. Into the ashes? Sorry, not the and dirt, the ashes. Like, I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's <laughs> nice, buddy. Uh, you know, we don't know if her eyes are in this part or not, you know. Sure they this are. Is- <laughs> I bet part oh, of Oh, that's so oh, nice yeah. of you. And then, and then to like shake them off and be like, oh, here you go, Bubby. <laughs> there you go. Here's your Windex. sunglasses back. <laughs> Ship shape. So oh, anyway. That's so sweet. But I see, we see what he was going for. And also, he's going to probably have an emo band by the time he's in eighth grade, which is great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so... So then I kept looking. I was like, oh, well, you know, it would be kind of cool to have some sort of container. I agree. That was actually made out of my mom's ashes that had the rest of my mom's ashes in it. Okay. And I found this place called Li- The Living Urn. That's the company that I found that's online right now. Great and you name. can get like a beaut- like So they also make glass. Yeah. So they can- you can make this beautiful green glass urn out of ashes. And then you can put the ashes this. in there. I support it too. And I think I'm going to do it. You should do it. I think it's really cool. But then also, of course, when I was like, oh, that's interesting, glass. You can make glass out of ashes. So I, once you Google that, first thing that comes up. Fish tank? Oh, nope. Oh. Uh, <laughs> weed bowl. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Got to get high off of Uncle Ricky. <laughs> you know Uncle Ricky liked to burn one. <laughs> yeah, I know he is this bowl, bro. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm inhaling his like spirituality. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> oh, wow. man. So I think you should do it. This feels to me like a step in the grieving and acceptance process. Like you didn't know what to do with those ashes for a long time, and now you're starting yeah. to get a little more creative with it. I think it's very fun. The bowl or bowler and urn makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It is funny to think of a bowl, and you just know people are very. They're nostalgic. People like to look back with rose-tinted glasses, but you know that there's like somebody that turned their aunt into a bowl, and then that aunt just loved like Andy's mints or peanut M&Ms, mm-hmm. and they yeah. fill Aunt Carol with peanut M&Ms. I love and that. I, you just know that that's... It's like, oh, yes, Aunt Brunhilde loved nectarines, so I always make sure there's eight fresh nectarines in bowl of Aunt Hilda. I'm it's- personally allergic to them, so they rot, and then I throw <laughs> them out, and I'm constantly buying new nectarines. Honestly, I'm upset about it. <laughs> this was a huge mistake. Should have made her into a fishbowl. That is, I love this for you. I'm yeah. into it. All right, I got one for you. Um, Lauren... Allard or Allard. Let's let's say Lauren Lauren Allard. Lauren Allard sent this in. Lauren sends many great stories, so thank you for that. Thank you, Ms. Lard. Uh, Loch Ness Monster Hunter. I thought this job would be easier. 
This was at BBC.com, written by that swing BBC? BBC. Yeah, I got a lot of BBC stuff today. I hope it's right. Oh, no, that's the CBC that fucks yeah, me. Yeah, not CBC. The BBC, BBC is always the right. The Brits yeah. are always right. Um, they're the best in the biz, even. Steve Feltham. We're going to go Feltham. Has okay. dedicated his life to solving the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster. Steve gave up his job and sold his home in Dorset to move to Dory's on the shores of Loch Ness in 1991. All right. Now, after more than 30 years of searching for Nessie, he said he <laughs> thought the task would have been easier. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That seems like a real walk in the park over there. Oh, man. Mr. Feltham made his first sighting of something unexplained within a f- the first year of his search, and he had hoped to make further sightings soon after. He told BBC Radio's Good Morning Scotland program, quote, I had one glimpse of something like a torpedo going through the water. I did think this job was going to be easier as I had a sighting in the first year, and I thought it would be, wouldn't be long until a second sighting would come along. Mr. Feltham added, and that is where I'm stopped. <laughs> At that moment, <laughs> still waiting for the second glimpse of something unexplained. Because I am here full time. I speak to hundreds of people who do report something that we can't identify. But Mr. Feltham's dedication to the search has uh, saw him named Ambassador of the Year in 2016. Um, Ambassador of the Year? Yeah, for the and who I mean this we you and I have to get on this the Highlands and Island Tourism Awards. So in twenty sixteen, he was the ambassador of the year. I technically own one foot of square foot of property right in Scotland. Oh, so. I think it's bigger than that. I thought I got you like ten feet. Oh, Is it maybe only I have one ten square feet. foot. I think I did like the family plan, so you could put out a picnic bl- blanket and. No, well, I don't thank know. You. Yeah. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Uh, He had previously been recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest continuous vigil hunting for the Loch Ness Monster. (laughs) 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 The Nessie's continue. So Nessie Hunter's continuing efforts come 90 years after what is described as the first modern sighting of the Loch Ness Monster in April 1933. Hotel manageress, or which I never knew was a word before, a manageress, Aldi McKay. I feel like you could just say hotel manager. <laughs> yeah. There's no doctoresses. Um, <laughs> Aldi McKay told of seeing a whale-like creature and the locks water cascading and churning. Um, the local newspaper reported the sighting to the editor at the time, Evan Barron, and suggested the beast be described as a monster, kickstarting the modern myth of Nessie. In an interview years later, Miss McKay said she had seen something black, wet, and rolling water off of it, moving in a large circle. She described it as a beast to her husband. But this legend dates way back to the Middle Ages when the Irish monk St. Columba, and I do think it's Columba, is said to have encountered a creature in the Ness. But in, ni- uh, but in 2019, scientists reported the creatures behind repeated sightings may be giant eels. Whoa. Uh, is that I didn't right? know that. Like, I thought that yeah. famous photo of, La- of Nessie with its head up was a whale's dick. That's what you and I have been getting sent a lot, lady, yeah. on Banana's podcast Instagram is whales, penises, some types of whales, and they're called dorks, I believe. A whale yes. dork. Some whales like to wave their dork above the surface of the water and just, you know, give a little flirty wave to the no, people sunbathing on shore. <laughs> no, it's literally how they have sex. Mm-hmm. 
So the, the, the dork comes out and it's literally like flapping in the breeze before it comes over and they like are the, the whales are next to each other. Yeah, they're large they, animals. They diddle each other that way. That's how they do it, and we 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 support boinking and we support <laughs> doinking. Look, and I'm I'm into. I don't I'm not shaming the whale. If he wants to wiggle his dork, that's fine. You know, consent whale. You know, get yeah. consent first is my only request. We could all be so lucky, exactly. Um, but no evidence of the prehistoric marine reptile um, exists, or a large fish called sturgeons, uh, that they were also think a lot of these might be just gigantic sturgeons, catfish, and a wandering Greenland shark are all behind sightings that were also discounted. So, I anyways, can't this believe poor guy, I just say. love the idea. I thought this job would be easier. You saw something within the first year, and then that was 1991, and then he hasn't seen anything since. He's a, he's a gray-haired, he's a pretty handsome older, uh, older man. He's got cameras with him. But here's my question to you, Kurt, and yeah. I need your help really figuring out the best mm-hmm. play here. Okay. Should I go to Loch Ness this summer yeah. dressed as a banana and swim in the Loch Ness mm-hmm. and eat a banana while just as a banana while swimming in Loch Ness. Yes. I mean, like, of course. I thought there was going to be or than something else. No, or yes, you don't. should. No, I want you to do that. <laughs> okay. I think I have to go swim in the Loch Ness just as a banana and then eat a banana in the shore. I, this feels like something that we need to do as a podcast, and, and oh. I'm happy to go do it. I... I, I I'm jealous that I cannot join you. I love that idea. Okay, great. Then Let's I will fly do right. It. You should fly right from Naples, Florida. <laughs> I should. Maybe <laughs> right I will. To I'm Scotland. Ha- it's closer. You're, you're much closer. I mean, you're southern. You're farther <laughs> yeah, down maybe south. Maybe I'm actually farther. I don't know how triangles work. <laughs> well, go to Iceland like, first. This is what mm, I'm so excited ooh. for you. We can plan it right now. Go from Naples, mm. rent a car, drive the car across the country, to Iceland. get mm. to Naples, yeah. fly to Iceland, go to okay. Iceland. Yes. Dress as a banana. Go to one waterfall and one geyser. All right? Yes. Get the shot, then go. Loch Ness, okay. done and done. I Can gotta swim in, in the Loch Ness dressed like a banana. It just it feels like has anybody else ever done it? Probably. I I, but I've never seen photos of it. So mm-hmm. all right. I think I'm gonna do a backstroke is, of the um, banana in Loch Ness. What do you fly into to get to Loch Ness? I probably Edinburgh. There's our um Glasgow, right? Mm-hmm. It's in no Scotland, idea. so yeah, I know. Is it in, in the north, though? Is it in the far north? See, these are all great questions, but now I have a plan. So now I can just get out my computer and start typing. How do I get to Loch Ness? If and, you do, mm-hmm. if you do, I can do this. I want you to go to the Hebrides Islands. It is some place that I've always wanted to go. I've always Done. wanted to surf up there. Oh yeah, and they seem strange and weird and magical. Okay, um, so check Let's, them out. I'll do it. That seems great. I like all those things. I'll have to go because I assume Loch Ness is probably very cold at whatever latitude they are. So I'll I'll go. I'm going to go bracing. on August. Or They'll call it July. bracing. Yeah. Okay, that's settled. I have a mission. Now, it's, I drove to Kokomo. I drove to Kokomo, Indiana in 2020 on a dumb dare. This mm-hmm. I'm self-daring myself. I'm going to go swim in Loch Ness as a banana and eat a banana. Do they have bananas in Scotland? Do bananas uh, You have hats? to. They're $15. Okay, that's fine. Maybe I'll that's fly with a banana. Say. I'll get a really green one. All right, good. Here it is. Jesus. To send us into break. Mm. 
Was a lost language really saved thanks to a parrot? No. The yes. Answer, the answer will surprise you. <laughs> right, right, right after this break. Bananas. Folks, we are back on Bananas. Scotty, do you have any shout-outs for me today? I got so many. I don't know when we're recording next, but I'm going to just go through a bunch of these. Jerry, Jerry. wants to shout-out his... Jerry wants to shout out his wife and best friend, Maggie. She got a new job as communications director at uh, Global Parenting Initiative in Cape Town, which is in South Africa. She's working at, I believe, the University of Cape Town. Hell yeah! Uh, That's very cool. Maggie is a murder banana who got Jerry hooked on bananas during the Great Quar, is an all-around awesome human being and mother. So, Maggie, you're doing great. Congratulations. Sarah Close. Send an incredibly sweet and played email to thebananaspodcast at gmail.com, which we appreciate. Sarah started a small business called Flora Flora. Flora Flora, Kurt, they sell shampoo bars and conditioners. So no plastic bottles is the whole idea. Bars for washing your hair and conditioning your hair, which is a great idea. You can find them. Yeah, you like this. Flora Flora. I'm going to get it. Kurt's going to get it. They're at Whole Foods in Southern California, Las Vegas, Hawaii, Arizona, and soon to be everywhere else. You can just Google Flora Flora Shampoo Bar and find them. This is and this is a brilliant idea, right? Yep. Sarah's a banana animal. We love banana animals trying to help the world. And they also donate bars to Southern California, uh, California women's shelters. So go buy some Flora Flora Shampoo and Conditioning Bars from really Whole Foods. I, I love that a lot. Um, we have another African bananimal. This is two in a week. Elizabeth Kopf is Elizabeth giving Kopf. us a shout out from Namibia Woo-hoo. in Africa. And she says, thanks for making every day just a little more bananas. So Elizabeth, thanks for being a bananimal in Africa in Namibia. Namibia. Never been to Namibia. She is says it, it's very nice. Is it num nub num is it Namibia? Namibia, because you want to say Namibia, but it's Namibia. Namibia. Yeah, that's tough for my mouth. We haven't been there. That's all right. There's a lot of tough places. Uh, Let's do two more, and then we'll get back to the hot, hot, hot news. Hannah Hayes wants to shout out her bestest friend, Kevin, who bought his first new car ever. Congratulations, Kevin. Hannah wants to congratulate Kevin on not getting a Hyundai Santa Fe, which she thinks are very stupid looking. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, this is a good place to end it. Elizabeth Lesser wants to shout out her boyfriend, who remains nameless, who started a podcast called Karate Chop Bullying. It is an an anti-bullying podcast, and you should listen to it, or Kurt and I will kick your ass. So Karate (laughs) Chop Bullying, anti-bullying, gives great advice, um, and you better listen to it or you're in trouble. And that's that. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks, everybody, sending in shout-outs. We love it. Again, that company's Flora Flora for the- uh, Flora Flora, and they are- smart. They are currently, they're expanding, but yeah, Sarah would seem very cool. I'll go check out the one in Silver Lake and see if they're there and take a pick. 
That is something that I would be served. That is an ad I would be served on Instagram. Actually, and the I'm fact that I have not been mm-hmm. served it. Um, I think it's brand new. I think this just launched within the last couple I weeks. I love it. Because I got, I got, I got, I got duped into, got the, go- duped. into the goddamn pill toothpaste stuff. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's an Instagram ad. It's like a, again, trying to get rid of plastic. So it's a glass bottle of pills. They just chew up and then brush your teeth with. Uh, and it is. To say that it does not feel clean afterwards would be mm. a, would be an understatement. Teeth it, are tough. Teeth, hopefully teeth there's a good tough. one. Maybe it's just the, the bad one that I used. Okay, here we go. You ready? Yeah, of course I'm ready. I love this podcast. Was a lost language really saved thanks to a parrot? Mm-hmm. This is from IFL Science. Uh, Your this favorite. Is, I just found it on the, just looking at IFL science, because mm-hmm. that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is written by Dr. Russell Mool. So he's a doctor, guys. Best he's a doctor. in the bird And that's biz. where I think all of his skepticism comes. I, I would see. just say, a parrot discovered a lost life. Like, Me too. <laughs> I would go for it. But that's the difference between bananas and a doctor. That's correct. The Here only difference. At the start of the 19th century, the German geographer and naturalist Alexander von Humboldt stumbled on a curious language while exploring the Amazon basin. Not only had he never heard this strange language before, but the words were coming from an unlikely source, a parrot. According to Humboldt, the parrot was the last living creature to speak an otherwise dead tribal language. The story has since gone down in legend as an example of the fragility of language, while others have dismissed it as little more than a flight of fancy. So what do we know? So here's the details. Here's the facts. June 1799. Humboldt, the quintessential researcher explorer set out from La Coruna in northern Mm -hmm. Spain for an exploration in North and South America. His journey took him five years, in which time he traveled through Cuba, Colombia, Ecuador, then on to Peru and Mexico, among other places, before making his way to the United States and onwards back to Europe. That's amazing. Um, Again, colonialism, not good. This guy seems like maybe a, a scientist, so maybe he's doing less harm than the worst of them. Okay. Throughout his trip, Humboldt gathered huge amounts of ecological and zoological data related to the flora and fauna and even the local climates he encountered. He also kept lengthy notes on the human culture he witnessed and detailed everything from local politics to different traditions. His ability to speak Spanish was a great benefit. According to popular story, here we are with the actual story. Yes. (laughs) While exploring... That was a long time. It takes a long, long preamble. The Orinoco River in modern-day Venezuela, Humboldt stayed with a local Mm. tribe near the village of... Um, May Purez. It was here that the explorer apparently met a parrot that spoke something different to all the others surrounding it. After inquiring with the locals, Humboldt was told that the bird had once belonged to an enemy tribe who had been forced from the area where they eventually died out on a small islet some distance away. The parrot, it seemed, was the last survivor to speak this strange language. Amazing. Even the diligent, ever the diligent researcher, Humboldt apparently bought the parrot, brought it back to Europe with him, where he proceeded to record the phonetic sounds of the bird's speech. In doing so, he preserved the last utterances of an extinct language and culture. Humboldt was able to record over 40 words spoken by the parrot, which he recorded. 
This material has been an inspiration for generations of linguists, blah, 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 blah. In here, this is awesome. In 1997, mm-hmm. an artist even taught the words to a modern parrot, to modern oh, wow. parrots, and toured with the recordings so a new generation could hear this lost language. That Holy is cow. such a cool idea. Oh, How did they man. do that? That's so amazing. But is the story true? Although there yeah. are many who celebrate this tale of avian articulation, there are others who have dismissed it as probably fanciful. However, Humboldt did offer some evidence to support his story. In a book published soon after his return to Europe, Humboldt explained how he stayed with the Guahibo people in a village beside a waterfall on the Orinoco River. Sounds in this nice. explanation, he describes en- encountering the parrot and how it spoke the language of Atures, the warlike tribe who had disappeared. And then essentially he wrote, and then he directly quotes from the book that he says that's all true. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, the conclusion is the truth behind this compelling tale may always remain uncertain, but at least this does provide some specificity for the supposed language the parrot was meant to recall. If it is true, then it is a unique example of how a chance counter with a clever bird saved a language. But that means it is true because the, that's how there. That's how things happen. If somebody says something's true and they record it and hundreds of years go by and we're still talking about it and it seems possible, then it is true. That's right? what ends up happening. <laughs> That's exactly what ends That's up That's history. That's and then it, yeah. Yeah. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Then I ever tell you, so I, I, I've already told you about the African gray parrot that my grandmother had, right? I think you did. Um, oh, man. What was his name? Oh, I can't remember his name now. That's too bad because she also had a monkey um, that she wanted to name. It was a different time. Definitely should not have had a monkey. Also, she had a monkey in Florida where the laws in Florida are like, do whatever the fuck you want. You want to have an alligator in your purse? Like, have one. Do it. Uh, And she wanted to name it Bimbo, but my mom wouldn't later call the the monkey Bimbo, so she named it Bimby. Yes. So it was Bimby. Bimby the monkey. Oh, and Pip. It was Pip. And that was the parrot. Name. Pip from Oliver. Great name for a parrot. Absolutely great name. She was a dancer, so she was into musicals. So Oliver the musical. That's, That's crazy that Oliver is a musical. That yeah. ch- that seems like a dark a dark book to make into a musical. Maybe yeah, I'm-, I'm sure it was dark times. That's the thing. I mean, there's yes, there's so many things like that. Like the first musical I ever saw was Les Mis in DC and it was on this rotating stage. So like, you know, the actors could like as they were doing set changes, they would walk in place in the spotlight like Jean Valjean <laughs> singing. But you then you they get to this amazing set that's just like stacked tables and chairs and barrels and all this thing, you know, like the French Revolution or whatever. And uh, even as a little kid, I'm like, man, that must have sucked. And there's like, yeah, there's cutting everybody's heads off. So it's so bad that you just have to like revolt. And I'm like, it's so funny that people are now like singing so like big. These big theatrical music musical people are just like belting out and it's their passion. But it's about such a tragic thing. Yeah. But that's what stories are. It helps us deal with stuff. It does. That's why my mom is going to be a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm curious how many things you can make out of those ashes. I think it's really anything you can make with ceramics. I mean, obviously, yeah. the, the the company has to offer it. And I think they offer, like, plates. They offer plates and mugs. But um, I, I feel like the eat the, the foodware didn't, <laughs> didn't uh, 
sell very well, as obvious evidenced by that guy's company's out of business. So now most of the stuff is um, decorative. Uh, it's jewelry or like urns. That seems pretty fun to me. I like it. Scotty, give me another one. All right, speaking of that, this is from Olivia Decatur. Thank you, Olivia Decatur. Always sends very good stories. Weirdly, this is in Yahoo Sports. Of course it is. I mean, you're checking Yahoo Sports four or five times a day. You're refreshing it all the time. I wake up going, Yahoo Sports. Yeah, you got to put the sports on there. Uh, this was written by Gigi Fong, who is the best in the biz at what she does or he does or they do, typing about is it this. G-, G period? G period? It's G I G I. So Gigi, Gigi. I like it. <laughs> Something. Hee <laughs> Fong? Hee <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fong. <laughs> one, <clears throat> one in eight men have brought a condom to a funeral, just in case. One in, this is the craziest study ever done. Mm. This is a fantastic episode. Yeah, we're having fun. We're all over the place. It's strange news. It's weird news. It's stuff we find interesting. So that's 12% of men that go to a funeral, have taken a condom in their pocket, I hope. Not wearing one, I really hope. Or just just stuck to their forehead, letting everybody know. That's right. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) <laughs> I am very ready for this. Leading condom brand, Trojan Condoms, they reveals sex and condom trends in a new study. According to its study, which aims to dig deep into the mindsets and behaviors of adults 18 to 35 when it comes to intimate connections, which honestly, good for them, Trojan. You got to yeah. see what, what Gen Z is up to. We don't know. We don't know. I think I I'm not going to ask them. I know. I'm terrified of them. I think I love them, too. I like Gen Z. It's nice. It's nice to have, because we have a full, oh, you're a millennial, but I have a full generation in between. So my love for Gen Z is like a grandfather. (laughs) They're probably more like you than me. I'm at the tail end. Yes. I'm at the last, like right at the tail end of Gen X, and they're at the beginning of Gen Z, and I love them. Yeah, I like them too. And people always like want to dunk on them and be like, they're lazy and stuff. But everything I see, they seem pretty cool. And yeah. somebody was recently explaining, and I don't know if this is true, but this is so funny because this is one takeaway I know about Gen Z that Gen Z less, uh, they care less about like their tops, like their you know, shirts or whatever they're wearing on top. And they're more express themselves with different types of pants. So like they just don't all <laughs> wear the same like skinny jeans or like whatever. That's just like, here's a bunch of different pants. And then, like, what you wear on top doesn't really matter. And then you kind of think of sort of <laughs> the Billie Eilish's of the world, and you're like, yeah, she just kind of does wear, like, a, a hoodie and then some funky pants. So, anyways, <laughs> we love those Gen Zs. Millennials were the worst. When I was in college, every guy would wear, like, a button-down shirt, not me, with, like, vertical stripes on it, some mm-hmm. kind of that, and, like, oh, God. Just, the millennials like, really like a, like a, like a, a tight pattern, a tight yeah. patterned uh, short sleeve button-up. Yes, uh, yeah. it was a nightmare. Um, there are a I've bunch always... of Dan flashes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Dan flashes is definitely because Tim is went to high school and college around the same time. Did you hear that? Like the like wherever. Where's the White Sox stadium? White Sox is Chicago. But what stadium is it? Um, I don't know what they play in anymore. I, okay, I can it's look not it Wrigley Field, no, right? Because that's the Cubs. Cubs. Yeah. Anyway, wherever the White Sox play. The White okay. Sox had a Dan Flashes night 
that was like incredible twenty dollar tickets if you wear a Dan Flash shirt, a complicated batter shirt. Uh, <laughs> but that's what that's what sports needs to do. Yes. Baseball is really trying. You went and they have a, a pitching clock now, so it's faster. It's faster. That's so funny. Scott Scotty and I are going to go see soccer. Yes, we are. It's you have to tell great. us what what are the good seats. See, this is why I didn't know what Chicago White Sox Stadium was called, and this is what sucks about modern sports. What? It's called. This can't be right. It is. It's called Guaranteed Rate Field. So it's a oh. corporate company. Ugh. That's why you don't know. You, I mean, not that Wrigley Who wasn't Wrigley to... Gum, but like Dodger Stadium is Dodger Stadium. Yes. It's not. It, yeah. It's right. so much better. Oriole Park at Camden Yards. It sucks so much when it's Guaranteed Rate Field. I mean, Guaranteed Rate had to pay so, so much more than the one word company because i would always be like i don't care what the one word is just go with it what yes. is it juice give it to juice stadium when is also when why doesn't like apples like the apple industry or the milk industry Ooh, get like together this. and buy a stadium i would love to go yes. to milk stadium or love go to this. apples apples auditorium Big ma- big milk, big apples. Call yeah. You're going to the big apple. You're going to big milk. You're going to the udder. You're going to the udder bucket. <laughs> Boom. Look. We're going to go easy. watch those L.A. Rams playing in the udder bucket. Have you ever milked a cow? I've milked a goat. That's that's the same. Yeah, pretty much. I was a kid. Teats or teats. Yeah, I did it on a couple field trips. It's very fun. And it's that thing you're like, this will be fun. And then you see how much you've gotten out with like five pulls. And you're like, so you fill a bucket all day, every day? <laughs> No, thank you. Okay, here we go. Leading condom brand Trojan reveals sex and condom trends. They wanted to dig deep into mindsets and behaviors of adults, 18 to 35, when it comes to intimate connections. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I bought condoms, I bought gum, a single rose, and a box of condoms. You did? I think I might have told that before. I was at the giant no. supermarket, and the older, nice, sweet female cashier looks at it looks at me and i was probably i don't know i forget how old i was i was, I was pretty young i was a teen uh and she goes good luck honey i mean that is so sweet she was just yeah. like gum a single rose what a romantic <laughs> gesture and a box of trojan condoms i'm sure they were trojans uh when asked about who should have a condom 77 percent of respondents believed it was an equal responsibility that's interesting because I would say men should carry condoms. Not yeah. that women shouldn't, but if you ask me this question, I would say men. It should be a little bit moral. Men, women have to deal Hands. with everything else. Buy some condoms. Hands down. Okay, good. I'm glad you agree. But women uh, have to have female condoms. Yes, they do. That's Nothing <laughs> more erotic than that the a female, female condom. condom. Do they even make them any? I remember in the 90s I got one, and my girlfriend and I were like, all right, let's try and... And it was just like, I don't know what this... Is this a is this a poncho? Yeah. <laughs> I think they used to have like an elastic strap on some of the really old school ones like for around your waist. I don't know, but we, we will hear from it. I bet they do. I bet they do still make them, and I bet they sell like four a year. Yeah. I bet there's like a warehouse in Milwaukee that's just like, we can't get people to try these things. Um, however... It appears sex and condom cultured is more layered than most assumed. Apparently, close to one in eight men, 35 and under, admitted to bringing protection to a funeral just in case. 12.5% of the study uh, results revealed. 
Well, on a more positive note, however, 65% of adults are bringing condoms on first dates, just in case, too. Mm-hmm. But also, both are fine. I, I think it's fine to bring a condom to a funeral. Is it weird? Not really. It's all about your relationship. Also, yeah. I've been invited to funerals that weren't even people I knew very well. I got invited to that one where they drank bush lights and threw the cans in the, <laughs> in the grave. <laughs> Things happen at funerals. Yeah. The person who's dead doesn't mind. They do not care. They probably would love it if people were boning at their funeral. I right, know I so. would love it if people boned at my funeral. Absolutely. Tell you, you would that. love it. I'll of tell course you, you would. That. It's, everybody's feeling a lot of emotions. Exactly. If somebody wants, if two people that meet at a funeral decide that what gets them through the night is wearing a condom and having sexual intercourse, that's a beautiful thing. Fantastic. Um, Trojan study points out an evolution of condom culture, and it's one that prioritizes safety regardless of gender roles and respectable politics. So that seems nice. Anyways, yeah, one in eight. That I mean, yeah. I've never done it, but uh, it seems like totally fine. And honestly, maybe a little low. Only one in eight. You'd think yeah. like one in three. I would guess people are pretty uh, thirsty I'm, these days. Exactly. Like people. That is such a common human thing. Tragedy. Like during a tragedy, people end up having sex. I mean, like if you're if you're listening to this and you were born, uh, mm. you know, in June of two thousand two, your yeah. parents boned on nine eleven. That's what <laughs> happened. That's that, what happened. Some people did. There's no denying it. That's oh, hands a real down, thing. there was a lot of nine eleven babies. Well, and so people if you're were out seeking there, comfort. We love you, nine eleven yeah. babies. We love, we love you. you. We, we love hate you. invasive species. We hate love nine eleven babies. Yep. When we like people that responsibly wear condoms. When I was shooting up on the North Shore of Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, the line producer, we flew about half our crew in from Los Angeles, and then the rest we have to hire locals. There's a tax incentive the more locals you hire. Yeah. So I was still finishing scripts. I was calling some of the actors that were flying in, you know, and comics that were coming in for the rest of the week. And so the line producer who had shot a lot of stuff in Hawaii was like, you know what might be nice? We should just do like an opening, like not a luau, but just sort of an opening. Hey, here's food and beers and drinks and like we'll just party. And he goes, I know this great place near this beach that's off campus, off where we were all staying. So I finished writing and I go out there and we are, there's like 60 crew members already yeah. out there. And most and- of them are Hawaiian. Uh, yeah, I would say like t- of that crew, probably 20 were Hawaiian. So it was cool because like uh, the people that were like the first camera team, they were yeah. meeting the second camera team who are all the locals and discussing stuff and getting to know. It was a good little welcome mixer. Yeah. So I started introducing myself, welcoming everybody that would be working for me for the next two and a half weeks. And... But right when I get there, there's already like this debate happening. So everybody's been drinking for maybe like an hour or two hours out on the woods that go directly onto this beach. It's beautiful. And what they are debating is whether they use uh, lube when they masturbate or not. And they're, they're actually lining up on different sides of like a small fire where on one side, they're calling themselves the dry guys. And on the other side... It's the guys that use lube or cream or whatever who are calling themselves the cream team. And when I get there, there's 
there's about 25 guys on the dry guy side, which was shocking to me when they explained what's going on. And then there's only like five guys on the cream tea. <laughs> and they're like, Scotty, where are you going to be? And I'm like, what's happening? And again, I'm like the boss. I was the executive yeah, yeah. producer on this. I'm like, here we go. This is a tough, this is a tough situation for you. Yes. Do you, but also- do you play their game? And be, uh, but then it's just like that weird thing of like you're just talking about how you jerk off, or do you just say like Correct. that's it for me, guys? Yeah, I've I'm had out. a good just night. Go swimming in the ocean. I like. I want to know what happened. So I go over to Cream Team, and every <laughs> they everybody's drunk and stoned, and they are literally chanting "Dry guys, dry guys, <laughs> Cream Team, Cream Team." But uh, you know, we're outnumbered. Like I said, probably twenty five, thirty <laughs> to five or six or seven, and we're like laughing. We can't believe it. Everybody's laughing at how stupid everybody's being. Sun is setting. And this golf cart security rolls up. The security guards are wearing Hawaiian shirts, which is also very funny because you're just like, this seems like you're not as serious as normal security guard, but it's fine. <laughs> but they're like, what are you guys doing here? And the, the guy who threw everything together goes over and he's like, hey, we're staying there. And we're just this little welcome party. And they're like, this is like a sacred place. <gasps> we do like ceremonies here. Oh, no. And they... When they came up, weird yelling dry guys or cream tea. Oh, no. And so I'm instantly like, oh, shit. Uh, You know, feeling terrible, but also being like, well, we're about to be cursed. Like, this is, we are about to be in deep, deep shit. So they were like, no, like, we do, like, burials and ceremonies, and this is, like, a special spiritual place. And so everybody, like, apologizes. We go back to just the resort where it's very beautiful. We should have been there the whole time. And we like had a meeting of the minds and we actually hired a like our, the equivalent of like a Hawaiian priest. A shaman. Which, a kahuna. Yeah. It's called a kahuna. Yep. And I think that's when you know when people say big kahuna, it's like a Hawaiian priest. And so we explained who we were and without telling them <laughs> about why we were chanting over fire on the sacred ground, this horrible stuff, we were like I think we got off to a bad start. And he's like, I understand. So the next morning, he makes us get everybody that was there and the entire production. And we all hold hands in this giant circle of like 80 people. This is and awesome. And this kahuna stands in the middle and he, he blesses us. He forgives us. He blesses the entire production and tells us all that we're going to have like uh, a really, we're going to harness our mana and we're going to have this incredible time on this space and the island to take care of us and to clarify our intentions. Like a couple of us had to like speak to this man. And so basically we felt like, let's, let's just wipe the slate clean. And uh, we were so embarrassed. We just couldn't tell this man, but I think he figured that we had done, I think he thought everybody was on drugs and yeah, I think yeah, he was yeah. just forgiving us for that, but we didn't get into the real details of the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But still, I'm like, I wonder if we're going to be cursed for this thing. But he thanks us. We say the blessings. He blesses me. He blesses some of the other people. And then I'm feeling way better. And then he goes over to our DP, our director of photography, the person who decides how something looks on TV and film, whose name is Grant, and he's the best dude. And Grant's wife is like eight and a half months pregnant with their second or third child. And uh, the kahuna is like... um, and how far along is she? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, do any day. And he's like, it's going to be a boy. And he puts a, a lay on him, one of those nut lays that are called kukui, I think, mm-hmm. kukui lays. Not the flower ones, like the little brown yeah. nuts. And he's like, it's going to be a boy. And Grant's like, we found out the sex. It's going to be a girl. 
And he's like, it's going to be a boy. And then like blesses Grant, blesses his wife, blesses the family. Two days later, Grant gets the call to fly back, flies back to LA. He's there when his wife gives birth to their child. It's a boy. Wow. Yeah. And he calls us and Kyle, the director and stuff was like, it's a boy. Like that, that <laughs> kahuna knew. And then I felt really absolved. Then I was like, okay. And there were only like two or three things went terribly wrong during the set. But it was like the stupidest like sacrilege i've ever been a part of it totally humiliated but i do feel like this kahuna was like i could tell you're troubled <laughs> i'm going to make sure everybody's comfortable that's awesome the island isn't going to kill you and yes grant you're having a boy and he did it was very fascinating oh man i love that and also that was so so smart to do that you know it's like that is that's just a classy way to do it. It's a respectful way to do it. We didn't um, know. Also, like, the Hawaiians that were on our crew with us, just you know, we were just grilling and eating snacks yeah. and drinking beer and smoking pot and having fun. And it just happened that it went to a perverse, childish place. But we didn't know. Yeah. So anyways, we handled it as quickly as possible. That is great. It was funny. Dry guys, dry guys, <laughs> cream team, cream team. I will Nobody tell you. Wins. I will tell you this, and then we will. Oh, it It'll is gone. time. I didn't even it look at time. the clock. Look at that. San Francisco International Airport welcomes mm-hmm. Duke Ellington Morris, the cat, to its therapy animal team. Oh, that's so nice. And guys, uh, all you need to know is that everything in there is in the in the title. He has a, a little hat on, <laughs> and he is wearing a, a vest. He's got a, but not like a safety vest, <laughs> like a little blue embroidered vest that matches his fantastic hat. And uh, I'll post, we'll post it on our Instagram, obviously. But welcome to Duke Ellington Morris, the first cat on the therapy animal team. Oh, San Francisco does team. it different. They You're not sure going to find that at Dulles International Airport. No. I flew into Dulles and it is. It's as if the architect was like, I had a nightmare, and I'm mm-hmm. going to make that nightmare a reality. <laughs> it is the worst airport uh, in America. Yeah. And that I have, pr- I go to all the airports. You've been to every one. Dulles has a thing where you get on like a living room-sized bus. In order to go to any of the gates, you have to get on a living room-sized bus where everyone is crammed touching you. Not and then good. it takes 10 full minutes for the doors to close. Not it is good. insane. Anyway. Anyways, good they job, should name SFO. them all after gum. Yeah, good job. And don't feed that nice little cat a bean burrito without asking Bananimals. You're better than that. We know they love them. And we... Love you. Bananas. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstar. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas. Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear... 
feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.